The Reds were surpassed in Rookie of the Year voting this year, but the next Rookie of the Year is going to be a Cincinnati Red. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, and my name is Jeff Carr. I am a lifelong Cincinnati Reds fan. I've turned an addiction to this team and to information for you. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to me talk some Reds with you. As we look at this Rookie of the Year situation, the Reds had three guys finish in the top nine but I'm going to tell you why next year, 2024, the Reds will have the number one rookie of the year. We're also going to look at, I, I, I got a bone to pick about uh, how the Reds finished in this rookie of the year race. It was intriguing to say the least as to how they felt. Uh, but I'll get into that in a few minutes. And plus, John Morosi tweeted about uh, the possibility of there being a lot of trades today. And the Reds might be involved in one or two of them. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up later on. But before we get into all of that, I wanted to thank you for making Lockdown Reds part of your day. If you're an everydayer, thank you so much for doing so. Let me know down in the comment section here on YouTube or hit me up on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and, and tell me about it because love talking Reds baseball with you every single day. Here on Lockdown Reds, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every single day. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash on to get started. And where we will get started today is what I just told you, the Cincinnati Reds. We'll have the Rookie of the Year next year. Noel V. Marte is going to win the NL Rookie of the Year next year. This year, Corbin Carroll, he won it going away. Congratulations on him. Great year. Noel V. Marte is next year's Rookie of the Year. I'm calling it right now. Remember, mark this down. Tuesday, November 14th, 2023. We'll be talking about a year from now, Noel V. Marte getting this Rookie of the Year award. First and foremost, he retains his rookie eligibility. He only played 21 games, so he does not lose the Rookie of the Year, or, you know, the rookie eligibility. Plus, I believe he's going to start the year ranked pretty highly uh, amongst Baseball America, amongst MLB Pipeline, the, the publications that are necessary because what would happen with Arizona, with Corbin Carroll, the fact that he was on the roster all year, he was highly rated in the top 100 prospect list. No matter where you looked, he was, he was either number one or number two. And then he won the rookie of the year award. So the Diamondbacks get an extra first round pick. The Reds have a shot at that next year with Marte. And I believe that he's got a really good shot to do it. We're talking about a dude who surprised everybody. He surprised me. I did not have Noel V. Marte on my Cincinnati Reds call-up bingo card for 2023. Like, if I saw him at all coming up, I thought it'd be maybe in September, but it wasn't going to be, you know, an, an impactful call-up. I thought maybe he'd play a few games, he'd get in as a sub, you know, whatever. Get a cup of coffee. Got more than a cup of coffee. It was a big cup of coffee, you know, probably like a venti instead of a grande. 
Uh, he, you know, like I said, he played 21 games. Actually ended the season with a 16-game hitting streak. It was a phenomenal way to end the year for him. He did have a couple of games in there where he came in as like a pinch runner or a defensive replacement late in the game, so he didn't get an at-bat in those games. But for the games that he got at-bats in, he had a 16-game hitting streak to finish the year out. And it was kind of cool, too, because that hitting streak actually started with a three-hit day. I believe it was his first career three-hit day. But he absolutely mashed. And, and it's tough to really go too hard on, like, the slash line and stuff like that because, again, small sample size, didn't play that many games. But he had some underlying numbers, some analytics, if you will that were very encouraging. And I look first and foremost at the fact that he actually had the highest average exit velocity on the team, even higher than Ellie's by like 0.1 miles an hour. Again, smaller sample size. Who knows what would have happened had he actually played as many games as Ellie had played. But he had an average exit velocity of 91.3, where Ellie's was 91.2. Another thing that you love about Noel V. Marte is the plate discipline. He had a lower than league average strikeout rate. Strikeout rate for the league is about 22%. He was at 20%. This is something actually that he showed a lot throughout his minor league career as well. The propensity to lay off bad pitches. Now, he's not a high walk rate guy. He's going to look to hit. He's going to look to do damage. I got no problem with that. But the fact that he can limit the strikeouts is a big thing. Put the ball in play. Put the bat on the ball. That's what he does. And he's solid at third base, too. We saw him make some really good plays there in those, you know, couple of of games he got the chance to play. He got a nice arm, decent range. I think he could be a solid option for the Reds to be the number one third baseman right out of training camp. And I think if he he takes that on opening day, which I've, I've got a good feeling that he will, uh, then he's just going to have it all year long. That's going to be his job. The Reds did a very good thing whenever they brought him over from the Mariners. They played him at shortstop a little bit because he was a shortstop prospect with the Mariners. You'll remember Noel V. Marte was part of the Luis Castillo trade. He was the main guy. And in fact, whenever the Reds did that deal, I was kind of standing up on a table saying, get Noel V. Marte, make sure he's in this deal. Here he is. But they did the smart thing, and they moved him to third base almost immediately. And whenever they acquired him, played there a lot in the Arizona Fall League and stuff like that. So that was good to see, and he's really acclimated well to the position. So I'm happy to see that. And I think that he profiles very well. I mean, the numbers were good. He's got – he had better than uh, we thought uh, speed on the base pass, better than we expected. That wasn't necessarily – something that was talked about a lot. I mean, his powers talked about a lot, his ability with the bats talked about a lot, but he showed a lot of hustle, showed a lot of speed on the base pass that we didn't necessarily expect him to have. So I'm very excited to see how he rolls that into his game because that fits just perfectly on this roster, right? We got a roster full of guys that can take an extra base. Olivia Marte is just another one of those dudes. And then, I mean, he profiles so well. I think he's got a good shot here based on his own abilities. But then you look at his competition. And in fact, uh, there are a couple of different articles that looking ahead to next year and the possible Rookie of the Year candidates, uh, Noel V. Marte is considered amongst the top candidates. He's considered with Paul Skeens, 
who the Pirates took number one overall last year. A lot of people said might have even had the ability to go straight to the league had he not pitched so much in uh, college and, you know, the College World Series and all that stuff. But uh, especially with the Pirates losing Johan Oviedo, there's a pretty good shot Paul Skeens is going to be in that rotation early next year. And then Pete Crow Armstrong with Chicago. Uh, he plays center field for Chicago. We'll have to see what the Cubs do there. I mean, I mean, probably he breaks the breaks camp with the team. We saw him just a little bit with the Cubs later on in 2023, but the Cubs are talking about a spending spree. Who knows what their roster is going to look like? I look at this and I say, all right, Paul Skeens, really talented pitcher. That's going to be some competition. Pico Armstrong, really talented, really athletic outfielder, going to be some competition. But Noel Marte. I think has it above the rest of them. And he, he doesn't have this one thing. We're going to get into this in a little bit, but he doesn't have a glaring hole in his game. It's not as if he's out there and he's a a defensive liability. I think that he is an all around good player and he's got a really good shot. I think I'm saying it. We're, we're not even saying, Oh, he's got a good shot. You know, maybe could be, might be, I'm saying it November 14th, 2023. No, Elvi Marte is going to be Rookie of the Year in 2024, year from now. Mark it down. Mark it down. But speaking of the Rookie of the Year voting, I got a bone to pick with how they filled out the top guys. We'll get to that coming up next. Before we do, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, and that is FanDuel. Score early during the NFL season. I mean, we're almost halfway through. We're past the halfway point, actually, in the NFL season. With FanDuel, you can score with them, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. You just bet on the Bengals to win, beat the Ravens on Thursday night, and when you put that $5 money line bet down, the Bengals win, then you get $150 in bonus bets. That's a fantastic deal. And... If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel today, there's all kinds of great promos on top of that. They have so many different boosts and you you, you have different opportunities to have like no sweat bets and things like that, where if you lose, you get your money back anyway. It's a fantastic app as well. The the user experience is so intuitive. There's not a situation where you're like, oh my gosh, I can't find what I'm looking for here. It's all right in front of you. If you've been thinking about it, I highly recommend joining FanDuel today. Plus, there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads and player props, over-unders, and more. You can also combine prop bets on a game into a single-game parlay for even more fun. I love doing single-game parlays. But I'm looking ahead. Let's look at some, some way too early futures for Major League Baseball, and that is World Series odds. They got them posted over on FanDuel. And the Reds are behind the Cardinals, the Brewers, and the Cubs right now. The Reds are a value. 47 to 1 right now are the odds for the Reds to win the World Series. I throw a couple bucks on that right now because especially that it, <coughs> excuse me, this is before the Reds make all their moves. 47 to 1 odds for the Reds to win the World Series next year. Go do it right now. So visit vandal.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Vandal is an official partner of the NFL. Thanks as always for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every single day. As always, 
We're free and available on all platforms. Every day is coming up on the next Lockdown Reds podcast. Steve will be back with me. He's just obviously got a got a work conflict, wasn't able to record with me today. But Steve will return, and we will discuss, is Matt McClain's performance sustainable? Matt McClain didn't have like a full season's worth of a sample size or anything like that, but what he did was amazing. Is that something that he can stretch out into a full season? We'll discuss on the next Lockdown Reds podcast. But right now, I'm looking at the rookie of the year voting, and the Reds got three guys in the top nine. It was just a little bit of validation. We were talking about this, you know, back in June, and obviously June was far too early to get this excited about everything. But we're like, man, could the whole top five be the Reds? But they got three. They got three in the top nine. You had uh, Matt McClain, then you had Spencer Steer, and you had Ellie De La Cruz. Ellie De La Cruz actually got a third place vote, so he got one point, and he was on the final nine. Only nine guys, we say final nine, but nine guys got votes. And Ellie got one. Uh, Spencer Steer got four third place votes. Then you had a, a second place vote for Matt McLean, which gives you more than just one point. And then a couple third place votes as well. And I say all this to say this James Outman, the outfielder from the Los Angeles Dodgers, finished third in the voting. You had Corbin Carroll, who was a unanimous NL Rookie of the Year, absolutely deserved it. Second place was Kodai Senga, who he pitched well, so I don't know that I'm going to... It's really hard to compare pitchers and position players, but he pitched well, so I don't know that I'm going to belabor this. But James Outman finishes third over Spencer Steer. In fact, Spencer Steer, Matt McClain finished over Spencer Steer. But James Outman finished past Matt McClain and Spencer Steer. I think Spencer Steer's got a gripe. Because literally, if Spencer Steer's going to lose to James Outman, you're telling me that you really value defense here. Because James Outman had, you know, a positive defensive run saved and stuff like that. He, he was fine on defense. Pretty good on defense. Spencer Steer wasn't. But Spencer Steer was better than him at just about every offensive category. In fact, when I look at the way that... Spencer Steer actually put together this season compared to James Outman. There's no comparison. I mean, there's a couple of stat categories I and mean, maybe I'm, you know, splitting hairs here, but looking at these, I mean, look at this more games played. You had a higher batting average, higher on base percentage, Spencer Steer. All right. 271 batting average compared to James Outman's 258. Spencer Steer, 356 on base. James Outman, 353. That's pretty close. Slugging, Spencer Steer, 464. James Outman, 437. They had the same number of homers at 23. And Spencer Steer had way more RBIs. Spencer Steer had 86 RBIs. James Outman had 70. James Outman played in a lineup that was always on base. And he got 16 less RBIs than Spencer Steer did. And the, the, the number that Steve and I like to talk about a lot and, and, and most people use as kind of their jumping off point when referencing, you know, batters and things like that, OPS plus Spencer Steer, 119, James Outman, 112. Spencer Steer's a better hitter than James Outman. So defense weighs that much because James Outman got uh, two second-place votes 
and he got more third place votes than Spencer Steer did. I don't get it. Spencer Steer had a better year. Plus, and this is our favorite stat we always talk about with Spencer Steer because he beats everybody in this stat, positions played. James Outman, center field, left field, right field. Okay, plays all three outfield positions. Played most of the year at center field. Spencer Steer, first base, second base, third base, left field, right field. Yeah, he wins. Most positions there. And again, that's that's kind of where we get into the defensive discussion of moving around and how much should he be penalized. Apparently, he was penalized a lot by the baseball writers of America in this voting. And, you know, by the way, not to get all petty and stuff about this, but uh, Matt McClain had more doubles than James Outman. Just saying, Matt McClain played like 60 less games than James Outman did, still had more doubles. James Outman had more homers and all, you know, RBIs and stuff. But again, he played a lot more games than Matt McClain did, which just feeds into our question and our discussion for tomorrow's episode of, you know, is what Matt McClain did this season sustainable over the course of an entire season? Because if it is, we're talking about an MVP candidate. We're talking about a dude who's got a real shot here. Because the Reds were really shut out of awards this year. And then, like I said, you know, three, you know, finishing in the the nine here, the rookies of the year getting votes and stuff like that. That is a pretty cool thing. It's a validation of just saying how much talent and quantity that the Reds had in the major leagues this year for rookies. But there's nobody that's going to finish anywhere close on the MVP race. There's nobody. It's going to finish anywhere close on the Cy Young race. Maybe Alexis Diaz gets like a vote, but I don't even think he does that. So when you look at these future awards, Noelvi Marte, I think, I, like I said, I'm picking him to win the NL Rookie of the Year next year. Does Matt McLean have a shot at MVP? If he stays healthy, he probably does. And we'll discuss that a lot more next year, but or on, on the next episode. But um, just... I don't get, and, and I think, and, and we mentioned it just a little bit on the Aloha Live Friday episode last week, that it feels like big market bias here. Like Corbin Carroll was going to win it unanimously. Didn't matter. Nobody was close. It's fine. understand that. But then you're saying that everybody finishing behind him is kind of a crapshoot because you just picked the the two guys in the biggest market. And in fact, Nolan Jones from Colorado, who he was fine. Nolan Jones for the Rockies. He was fine. He finished ahead of Matt McClain and Spencer Steer. Come on. Uh-uh. Don't, I ain't buying that. And I think that the reason for it is, all right, well, if they weren't going to win, then who cares how many votes we throw these Reds players way. But you know what? I think I might even follow that up because who cares? These guys are going to be good, and the Reds are going to be good moving forward. We don't need the validation of the stinking baseball writers in America. Whatever. But I thought that was weird. That was just a weird way for the voting to kind of fall. John Morosi tweeted again, and the Reds may be involved. We'll look at just how much coming up next. In between episodes, you can follow us on uh, Twitter, or X there. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three F's. You can follow Steve at S Offenbaker with two F's. And you can follow the show at Lockdown Reds. You can also join the community on Discord. We got a Lockdown Reds Discord community. The link is down in the description of today's episode. A lot of great folks talking Reds baseball all throughout the day 
all throughout the year. On the Lockdown Reds Discord page, we invite you to join. So today is the, um, not really roster crunch, although I guess it could be, depending on how many players the Reds are looking to move here. But the 40-man roster doesn't sit at 40, so there's a little bit of space to work with. But today is the day, the deadline, to protect prospects from the Rule 5 draft. And Reese Hines is a shoe-in for this. But there are a couple of other players. There could be like two or three more players that the Reds want to protect. So with that, they've got to make some decisions on some guys. And, and, and probably the the big thing that will happen is just, you know, DFAing things. But John Marosi had this to say. Sources, MLB trade talks picking up across the industry before Tuesday's 6 p.m. Eastern deadline to set reserve lists for the Rule 5 draft. Clubs are pursuing trades to A, clear space on the 40-man roster to protect eligible prospects, or B, trade the prospects they won't protect. Now, if you're going to tell me, if you're going to ask me, all right, well, which of those two things is likely to happen for the Reds? It's definitely A. I don't necessarily think that the Reds, the Reds could trade Reese Hines right now. They, they might be able to, but I don't think is like the cornerstone of a trade. Depending on where you look, Resigns is a top 10, top 12 prospect in the Reds' farm system. He's not on anybody's top 100 list or anything like that. But he is a guy that is expected to be protected. And there's a couple of other pitchers and, and, and different players throughout the minor leagues that the Reds could possibly protect with this. So I'm thinking this could be the opportune time for a Nixon Zell trade. I, I think that the best course of action for him personally is a change of scenery. And I think the best course of action for the Reds would be to get something for him if you can. They did this with Robert, uh, wow, Robert Stevenson. Why did I almost call him Robert Whitaker? Anyway, Robert Stevenson, <laughs> a couple of years ago, they traded him for Jeff Hoffman. It was a change of scenery for a change of scenery. Now, as much as I love to belabor the point about Jeff Hoffman and I, I didn't really care for him when he was a Red, he had a good season last year with the Phillies, pitched decently well in the postseason, did give up a couple of games there. But for the most part, he's turned his career around since that trade. I think that the Reds should be kind of looking for something. Like, and I, I, I mean, Nick Crawl knows this. But the best-case scenario in all of this is to trade Nick Senzel for a change of scenery guy, preferably a bullpen arm. I don't necessarily know that tra a change of scenery position guy moves the needle at all, and I don't even know that it'd be a good idea. If you're saying that you have to trade Nick Senzel for basically a utility player, I, I, I don't know that I follow up with that. And I don't know that I have like a specific name of a relief pitcher to go after on the trade market here, but I think that that would be the most prudent move. If the Reds could swap Nick Senzel for a relief pitcher, then that'd be all right. And I know that normally, uh, this is the other part of this too, is that, you know, you're trying to get a player off your 40-man roster so that you can add somebody back on. So yeah, maybe they're getting a change of scenery guy from triple a, 
that's not on the 40 man or something. I don't know. Like maybe this doesn't work all that much, but I could see this being the case because then you're also talking about the non-tender deadline is coming up this Friday. So this, that, that is the deadline that if the Reds are not going to offer an arbitration contract to a player, they must get him off the roster by this coming Friday. So I think these deadlines kind of line up that you could see a Nixon Zell trade today. I don't think you'll see a Jonathan India trade today. I don't know that that is something that the Reds would pull the trigger on because again, Jonathan India, if you're trading him, you're trading him for an upgrade at another position. However, that would work out. And, and, and Steve and I have talked about, you know, what is Jonathan India's trade value to opposing GMs and stuff like that. We're not really sure. And it could be less than what we expect it to be, but you're not trading Jonathan India for prospects. That's not happening. So he's not getting traded today, but Nick Senzel very well could be the Reds. And, and, and Nick crawl is a, a, a shrewd um, negotiator when it comes to these types of trades. And I think that that is probably something that is in the works. So if you're going to see him traded, it's going to be today. And if he's not traded today, then I would expect between now and Friday, he gets non-tendered because again, it just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to carry him on the roster. If you're going to also have Barrero on the roster, he, he, he hits lefties. Yes, he does, but you can't bat him against a right-handed pitcher because he's an automatic out. And when you look at it and I found this interesting, I did a little math. Yeah, I know doing math, not my strong suit, but last year, 27% of the Reds at bats came against left-handed pitching. How many guys are you really going to carry on your team for 27% of the, of, you know, your need? That doesn't seem like a reason to hold a roster spot and give one of the larger arbitration deals to Nick Senzel. So if he's traded, it's going to be today. And if not, he'll be, I, I think, he'll be non-tendered by this Friday. But it was interesting to see John Morosi's tweet. He's been tweeting a lot about lots of trades going down, the Reds being you know, involved in trade discussions where Jonathan India is concerned and stuff like that. He did say the Reds are not motivated to move him right now, and they shouldn't be. But they could be involved in a Nixon Zell deal or one of the other deals where they, they trade – a, a lesser commodity on the 40-man roster to free up some spot. Maybe they, they get a prospect that's off the 40-man or something like that. We'll, we'll see how it all goes. I know that Nick Crawl's got something cooking. He's got lots of things cooking for this offseason. It's going to be a busy offseason, and you're going to want to keep it with us every single day here on Lockdown Reds because we're going to be with you every single day, Monday through Friday, as we go throughout the offseason. If there's big news on the weekend or something like that, we'll be – here with you to go live or give you the instant reaction, give you all the details because you can trust that we're going to be locked on reds every single day, but that's going to be where we, I just did that way out of order. That's where we're going to end today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening and watching. Uh, like I said, coming up tomorrow, Steve will be back and we will be discussing how sustainable is the performance that Matt McClain put up in his rookie season because Matt McClain looks like an MVP with what he has done so far. 
that's going to be on tomorrow's episode. Thanks, everybody, for checking today's out. If you are not an everydayer, make sure that you subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and right here on YouTube and click that bell to get notified whenever we've got new content for you because we will be locked on Reds every single day.